0: Good morning, Western Hills Church family, and I want to welcome you and I want to welcome all of our guests that are gonna be a part of this message today and appreciate your willingness to make time to hear the Word of God preached this morning. And I hope that you had the opportunity to join in worship with our worship team as they began leading us in worship at ten AM this morning. And I certainly appreciate their heart. For worship and their heart for God that they expressed through the songs that they let us in this morning. I hope that if you did join us, your heart was lifted up unto the Lord and that you were blessed and encouraged by the truth that was revealed in the songs that we sang this morning. This morning, I'm going to continue our series called The Finale. You know, all of the messages that we've had in the finale so far. Uh, I would not call them feel-good messages. They are heavy messages. The truth in those messages is very uh, heavy. When you began to ponder the future and how the world's going to end and the final judgment of mankind, every one of those truths is very, very heavy. It's a burden that it creates uh, on our hearts as we hear those truths. This message, for those who are in Jesus Christ uh, this morning, is a feel-good message. It gives us something to look forward to that is an incredible uh, place uh, for us to reside with God for eternity. And so I'm looking forward to sharing with you the truth about this message this morning. You know, the prophets of the Bible shared stories about the end of the world and The creation of a new world. And their stories, if you begin to look at them, their stories can sound like the stories of science fiction books and movies and novels. Science fiction authors base their stories about the future on some scientific probabilities and possibilities that could one day make our planet uninhabitable. Our planet is In these science fiction novels and movies, our planet is threatened by a meteor, or it's threatened by a change in the environment, global warming, or it's threatened by an alien invasion, or it's threatened by a global pandemic. The solutions in these science fiction uh, novels and movies are based on scientific probabilities and scientific possibilities. The solutions are found in space travel, in space cities, in a new planet within an environment that is like the Earth's environment. New technology that either minimizes the threat to our world or is used to end the threat to our world. What we need to understand about the Bible is that the prophets of the Bible that talked about the future did not base their predictions upon scientific probabilities or possibilities. They claimed they were hearing God. And they claimed that what they were saying about the future, they were actually speaking for God. They believed that what they said would happen because God said it and God had the power, God has the power to make it happen. They were revealing the will of God for the future. Not possibilities, not probabilities, but the will of God. Well, that always creates the question, why should you believe the prophets of the Bible? We hear all of these incredible stories in these science fiction movies and novels that are pretty unbelievable, but they're somewhat believable. Why should you believe the prophets of the Bible? Well, we should believe the prophets of the Bible, as I have said the last few weeks, because of their track record. You can read what they said would happen in history and then you can see in history that what they said would happen actually took place or actually happened. That makes the Bible unlike any other ancient book that's ever been written. When you have so many prophecies about the future that you can look back on in history now and say, well, that happened and that happened and that happened and that happened. We should believe the prophets of the Bible because of their track record. One example of How accurate the prophets of the Bible have been is when uh, the prophecy that many of them spoke about, a Messiah. They talked about a Messiah who would be born into this world and then who would save this world. These prophets in the Bible called him various names. They called him the Son of Man. They called him the Messiah. They called him Emmanuel. They called him Mighty God. They called him the Lamb of God. And what we know about the life of Jesus that's revealed to us in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that the life of Jesus fulfilled every one of these prophecies about the Messiah that's, that these prophets talked about in what is called the Old Testaments. You know, the odds of one person fulfilling just a few of these prophecies is astronomical. It's even more astronomical to think that Jesus Christ during his lifetime fulfilled every single one of these Old Testament prophecies. The only reasonable explanation that I can come up with for that fulfillment of these prophecies is that the Bible was written by God and that the prophets in the Bible were speaking for God. What other explanation can you come up with that's reasonable if you really do your due diligence and search out These prophecies in the Bible and how they were fulfilled historically. You know, Jesus was also a prophet. Now, he was more than a prophet. Jesus was God in human flesh, but he was also a prophet. For example, in the Gospels, we find that Jesus predicted the time of his death. He not only predicted the time of his death, but he predicted the place of his death, he predicted the manner of his death. Jesus even predicted who would betray him and he even predicted who would deny him. He told Peter that Peter would deny him three times before a cock crowed and that's what happened. Jesus predicted also his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Jesus even predicted that the number of his followers would grow and increase after he ascended into heaven and after he sent back the Holy Spirit to inhabit his followers. And they would preach the gospel to the whole world. That's a pretty bold statement, wouldn't you say? Here was a man who declared that he was a son of God and he was a prophet of God and he predicted that his followers would multiply, multiply throughout the earth and they would take his message throughout the earth. Can anyone deny that that prophecy that Jesus made has been has not been fulfilled it certainly has been fulfilled in our in our world all these prophecies have been fulfilled and once again the odds of this happening from just looking at the prophecies of Jesus are absolutely astronomical the only reasonable explanation is God God is speaking to mankind through these prophets you know Jesus predicted his return, and he predicted the uh, events that would precede his return. And then he predicted the events that would happen following his return. And we've been studying those events, those signs, and then his return, and what would happen in Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew 25 and in the book of Revelation. You know, based upon the track record that Jesus has, I think you would be wise to listen very closely to what Jesus said said and take it very seriously and consider what he said very seriously you would be you would be wise to do what Jesus said you should do to prepare for his return if he's never been wrong in any prophecy that he predicted in the course of his lifetime why would anyone who is wise somehow come up with a conclusion that Jesus would not fulfill the prophecies that he spoke about his return and the events that would happen after his return What we have in the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, is a written record of prophecies that Jesus shared with one of his disciples who was named John. In Revelation chapter 20, last week, we saw that Jesus revealed to John that there would be a final judgment of mankind. You know, Jesus is seen by many people in the secular world who don't believe in him as a very compassionate and loving figure, and there's good reason for that. I don't know of any one that I've ever read about who's a more compassionate and loving figure for everyone than Jesus is. But Jesus is also a very controversial figure. He was a very divisive fix- figure. For example, Jesus said, he who is not for me is against me. Uh, Jesus called the followers of the Sanhedrin. He said their father was the devil. Jesus declared that he is the way, and the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except by him. In other words, Jesus declared that he was it. He was the only one who could save the world from their sin. Now that's being very divisive. That's drawing a line in the sand. And what we have in Revelation chapter 20, in the final judgment of mankind, is the ultimate line being drawn in the sand. Because Jesus says very clearly in Revelation chapter 20 that after the judgment, the final judgment of Satan, that everyone who was not one of his followers is going to be cast into a lake of fire for eternity. Now, you can't get any more divisive than that. I would say you can't get any more judgmental than that to declare that if we don't follow Jesus, then we're going to be cast into a lake of fire For all of eternity. But that's exactly what Jesus declares in Revelation chapter 20. And then after this account of the final judgment of mankind in Revelation chapter 20. Jesus revealed to John. That those who were his followers would receive a reward. And this reward that he promises to those who are his followers is absolutely incredible. In fact, I want to tell you at the very beginning of this message this morning that there's no way I can do this message justice. It bothers me that I can't. I, I, I can't really relate uh, to, to things in a way that would help me reveal to you the promises of Jesus that he gives to his followers, his disciples about their future in eternity. It is incredible. What, he's, what he promises. I want you to put away some of the things that you maybe had in your minds about eternity this morning as we look at this passage of scripture and we see the truth uh, based upon what Jesus revealed to John. You know, I think when I was a child, I used to think about life in heaven as being somewhere on a cloud somewhere and we'd all be playing harps on clouds somewhere. And I don't know where I got that version of eternity, but that's what was in my mind. And when someone talked about going to heaven, that's what I imaged in my mind as being on a cloud somewhere playing a harp. And I want you to understand that that was not very appealing to me when I was a child, being on a cloud somewhere playing a harp. Uh, Other revelations of heaven, I don't know what your revelation of heaven has been, but I am certain that if you... Uh, will look at the revelation of eternity that Jesus gave for his disciples, it will change you and it will create within you, if you know Jesus, an anticipation of wanting to be there and experience what Jesus promises those who are his disciples. On the other hand, if you're not a disciple of Jesus this morning, I would ask you again to go back and Do your due diligence and search out the prophecies of the Bible and see if the thing that I'm saying to you this morning is true. Because I want you to understand, if you're not a follower of Jesus, based on what I shared last week about the final judgment of mankind, that is a place that you want to miss. The lake of fire. You don't want to go there. You don't want to spend eternity there. On the other hand, what I'm going to share with you this week is a place that you will want to be there. You won't want to miss what Jesus says about eternity and life in eternity with him. Here's what Jesus said about what he calls the uh, new heaven and new earth. Uh, I may refer to it as the new world. And it's in Revelation chapter 21. And I'm just going to read to you this morning verses one through five. And we're going to learn a few lessons about this new heaven and new earth uh, this morning, and then we'll be done. In Revelation 21, 1 through 5, it says this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is after the final judgment of Satan. It's after the final judgment of mankind. And Jesus has separated uh, everyone into what he called sheep and goats. The goats are those who didn't follow him, and the sheep are those who did. And then he's going to give those who are on his right hand their reward. And here it is. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now That doesn't sound like a cloud somewhere where you're going to play a harp for eternity, does it? I saw a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, it sounds sort of like what, where we're at right now. This is the old earth with its old heaven. And so Jesus said, for those who are his followers, we're going to be living on a new earth with a new heaven. And then he said, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, he said, there was no more sea. It's interesting, isn't it? There's no more sea. And then I, John, this is the disciple of Jesus, saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband what a glorious experience it is i did a wedding recently for joseph uh, ruckel and julicia now ruckel and when she walks out dressed in white i always just like to look at the groom's face as he's watching his bride come down the aisle it's an incredible thing well i want you to understand what jesus is saying is going to happen here with a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. It's going to be much more glorious than that experience. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, notice it's a loud voice. In other words, be sure you hear this. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I believe those tears are going to be what remains of the sorrow in the followers of Jesus' hearts as we stand at the final judgment and many people that we love and care about, we realize that they're not going to be with us for eternity. I believe that's going to be the last grief and sorrow that we will experience that he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes and there shall be no more death there will be no more death perhaps the greatest sorrow that any one of us can experience is the sorrow of death of someone that we love and care about nor sorrow nor crying and there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away then he who sat on the throne said behold And this is a very important saying that I've underlined and put in italics. Behold, I make all things new. Think about that. I make all things new. He's going to make all things new. And here's the great thing about it. They're going to remain new. They're going to remain new. There's not going to be any decay. I make all things new and they're going to stay new. There's not going to be any decay. And then he said to me, write, for these words are true and they're faithful. In other words, you can count on these words coming to pass. So this morning, what lessons can we learn about the future from this prophecy? And here's some of my observations, and I'm sure you could have some of your own that you could share with me. But here's my observations about this passage this morning. First of all, it says that the first heaven and the first earth will pass away this new earth and its new heaven is not going to be on this old earth with our old heaven because he said the first heaven and the first earth will pass away in verse 1. Peter talked about this. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, one of the 12. And he said this in the letter that he wrote in 2 Peter 3, 7. He said, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, In other words, we are currently being held together by the power of God upon this old earth with its old heaven. If God suddenly removed his power from holding us together, everything that we know would just disintegrate immediately. And then he said, they are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In 2 Peter 3.10, Peter went on to say, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. When this happens, when the old earth and the old heaven are done away with, it's going to create an incredible noise, it says. And the elements are going to all melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up, will be consumed, And it's going to happen in a moment. The heat will be so intense, it won't be a gradual burning. It's going to be consumed immediately, but it's going to create an incredible noise. You know, in the Bible, there's different accounts that we have of God destroying certain things by fire. Uh, One of those accounts we have in the Old Testament is that there were two godless cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, God destroyed those cities with fire and brimstone. Well, the Bible says that when God destroys the old earth with its old heaven, He's going to destroy it with fire. They will be consumed in a moment with a loud noise. You know what that means? It means there will be nothing left of the old. That's what God is communicating there won't be anything left of the old earth and its old heavens. It's going to be totally consumed. You know what that means? It means all the things that mankind has cherished will be consumed and burned with fire. There's so many things that we think are important that really aren't that important. You know, my attic is full of things that, are, that represent memories that I cherish Uh, I have trophies in that attic. I have various awards that I have received. I have pictures and albums and all kinds of other things that represent memories that I have that, yeah, those values, those memories are very valuable to me. But the truth is that everything that I've ever cherished like that is going to be consumed with fire. It's going to be done away with. You know, right now, it, we're in a terrible economic situation in the world right now. And many people are suffering because the government has shut down business. And as a result of that shutdown, people are suffering incredibly financially throughout the world. It was already, there were so many that were already suffering. Now the number has just been multiplied uh, exponentially exponentially of the number of people that are suffering financially. We see growing food lines throughout the world. Right now, if we turn on the news, we can see those kind of things happening. You know, uh, the truth is, when it comes to money, people cherish money, and they value money, and there's certain value that money has we need it to live on. But I want you to understand that when this fire consumes the earth, it's going to consume All of the gold of the earth, all of the silver of the earth, all the diamonds of the earth. It's going to consume everything that mankind has temporally considered to be valuable. It's all going to be consumed with fire. And it's going to be gone in an, an eternal moment. Everything will be consumed. So the first heaven and the first earth will pass away. And they will pass away. They will be burned with fire. Another observation I want to share with you is a new heaven and new earth will be created. It says that in verse 1. This new heaven and new earth will be created the very same way that the first heaven and first earth were created. It's going to be created by the word of the Lord. The Lord speaks and creates. The Lord speaks and things come into being. Whatever the Lord conceives in his mind and speaks with his mouth is created. In Psalm 33, in verses 6 through 9, the Bible says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. It's talking about our current world and the heavens that we live under. And all the host of them, by the breath of His mouth. That's how powerful God is. He can just speak a word. And whatever He speaks, He speaks it into existence. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. It says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Do you know anyone who has power like that? I mean, there are powerful kings and rulers upon the earth, and there have been historically. And their words had power. What they said would happen in a very limited way. But I want you to understand that whatever the Lord speaks, it happens. That's how powerful our God is. Whatever He says happens. So the whole earth should fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world just stand in awe of him because he has such incredible power for he spoke and it was done and he commanded and it stood fast you know god created the first earth and heaven in six days it says in the book of genesis you know what jesus told his disciples when he told them that revealed to him that he was going to leave them he said that he was going to leave them he was going to ascend into heaven and he would be in heaven until his return do you know what he told them that he was going to be doing during that interim time? Jesus said that he was going to be preparing a place for them. He said that in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled, he said to his disciples right before he left them. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive it to myself that where I am, there you may be also. <laughs> we have seen in Genesis what God can do in six days. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? I think all of us would admit the world that we live in is an incredible place to live in. And then the heavens, oh my goodness. We, can, we have seen what God could do in six days in Genesis. We can only imagine what Jesus could create for his disciples since the day that he left them and ascended into, this, into heaven. It's going to be an incredible place that God creates a new place. And then the third observation that I want to make is that the new heaven and new earth will be new. Like I said, he's going to make all things new. It says that in verse 5, he made all things new. And the great part about it is that they will stay new you know I love new things you know I I love new things I, I was sitting out on uh, my patio yesterday in such delightful weather you know it was probably in the mid 70s or so and it was just hardly any wind what a beautiful day it was and I was enjoying that and I was looking around at, uh, in, in Sondra and I's house, we've, we've made a lot of things new during the course of the time that we've been married. We've remodeled our house, we've updated our house. At one time, we had a bunch of children at home and we added on to our house. We even put a pool in the backyard. And I love new things. And uh, you know, I, I don't get new cars very often, uh, but when I do, I love to get a new car. I love new things. I love to go to new places. You know, places I've never been before. I love to see new things. But the truth is, as I was sitting out on that patio yesterday, the patio that I had put in 13 years ago doesn't look new anymore. In fact, it's soiled with dirt. Now, I have taken the power washer and done the best I could to clean that off, and it looks better than what it did before I used the power washer. You know, a new fence that I had put up in our backyard many years ago, it needs a fresh coat of paint. It doesn't look very good right now. You know, I just replaced a deck in our backyard that was deteriorating and rottening, and it would, you know, it would. Uh, in times I'd be walking across it and my foot would just go through the wood. I look at that concrete, not only is it soiled, but there's these huge cracks in it in places. You know, that's what happens in our world to new things. We enjoy them when they're new, but they get old, and when they get old, They decay, and ultimately, we need to either move or we repair them, right, over time if we can afford it. Well, just think about a place where everything is new and it never needs to be repaired. Just think about a place where everything is new and it always stays new, including your health. Wouldn't that be great? That's the way Jesus describes the new heaven and the new earth. He makes all things new and everything stays new now how are things new well a lot of this what jesus said he was comparing with the old the old heaven and the old earth but here's what jesus said and uh about this new this new heaven and new earth what's going to be new about it well first of all there's no more satan we actually read about that last week in revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 where we have the final judgment of satan where once and for all, Satan, the author of evil, in, the, in this world, is thrown into a lake of fire never to be released ever for all of eternity. You know, the Bible tells us that in this new world, with its new heaven, there's no presence of evil to tempt anyone to follow evil or to do evil. Wouldn't that be great? Not to have an evil presence that was tempting us to do that which is evil. Satan was defeated, you see, when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus never sinned. He defeated Satan by living a perfect life. And then when Jesus died on the cross, his death atoned for all the sins of mankind because he was God in human flesh. He paid for the sins of his creation. He paid for the sins of the world. And when Jesus died for the sins of the world and because he had never sinned, Jesus defeated satan when he was on the cross the accuser of the brethren was cast down he can no longer say to god look you've got to cast all of these folks into a eternity of hell because they've all sinned no the answer to that is no jesus paid it all jesus atoned for the sins of the world and the accuser of the brethren has been cast down so satan has received his final judgment And he will receive his final judgment, according to Revelation chapter 20. And when he does, he will never be loosed again to lead people astray. Everyone in the new world is going to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, minus the temptations to do evil. What an incredible place and environment that will be. And then the Bible tells us, that in this new world, new heaven, there's going to be no more sea. Revelation 21. You know, right now, the sea is necessary for our physical environment. Apparently, it's not going to be necessary in this new world. In fact, the Bible tells us in, in Revelation 22 and other places in the Bible that there's going to be this stream that flows from the throne of God that provides living water for everyone, In this new world, a pure stream that's not contaminated, won't be polluted, never will be. The sea is also necessary for our current political environment in this fallen world. In other words, it's through the separation of the sea that we actually have peace among nations in a fallen world. It won't be necessary in the new world. There won't be only one nation, and that nation will be under God. It truly will be a place of liberty and justice for all. There will be no sea. Another observation is that there's no more sin. You know, in this world, we sin for two reasons. One is that we're tempted by Satan. And then also, Paul said we sin because within our members, there is a law of sin. And the law of sin that actually exists in our members draws us to sin. It bends us towards sin when we're tempted to do evil the law of sin according to the scriptures is one of the curses of sin upon mankind the law of sin became a part of mankind when mankind rejected god and fell and followed satan and the law of sin has been a curse in every person who's ever been born since the fall of man You know what the law of sin does? It causes us to have these perverted perverted, evil imaginations and perverted lusts for things that God forbids. That's what the law of sin does in our members. If you have hatred in your heart towards someone that is so strong that you would like to actually see them die, I want you to know that's because of the law of sin that's in your members. If you have a lust to satisfy certain desires in your uh, flesh in ways that God forbids, I want you to know that's because you have the law of sin in your members. If you find yourself being greedy and covetous, wanting something that belonged to someone else, and perhaps you would even stoop low enough to go and steal it from them if you had the opportunity, I want you to know that you have that within your body, that law of sin is what causes that experience in your soul well in heaven in this new world the the law of sin won't exist won't that be incredible uh, the Bible tells us that the disciples of Jesus those who follow Jesus and are in this new world are going to be given a new body a new body that's no longer under the curse of sin that means it no longer has the law of sin abiding in its members there's no more curse for sin and so we are free completely from the law of sin that currently abides in our members so there's no more sin and then the bible tells us there's no more separation In Revelation 21.3, it says that the tabernacle of God will come and dwell among men in this new world. You know, separation from God is also one of the curses of sin. Because we live in this current earth suit that is contaminated with sin, our experience with God's presence right now is limited even for those of us who are followers of Jesus. In fact, in my heart, there is a yearning to be close to Jesus in a way that can't be fully satisfied right now. Because I still live in this earth suit that has within it the law of sin. Our experience with God's presence is great. It's better than not having it. But I want you to understand something. What we're experiencing right now of God is still very limited. We can experience God in our spirit, but the Bible tells us that right now we cannot see God face to face. Our body and our soul would be consumed by His righteous glory because we live in these contaminated earth suits that cannot tolerate His righteous glory. It's like right now the sun in the sky is a blessing to us. We could not live without the sun. It's a source of heat, a source of light for us. But the truth is, that sun is very dangerous. If you and I moved from our current location and got closer to the sun without the right protection, we would be consumed by the heat of the sun. And so what is so wonderful for us that it maintains our life is also destructive to us. And that's the way it is right now with us in the glory of God. We can only get so close to God or we would be consumed by His glory. We're not prepared yet to exist in the full light of the presence of the glory of God and I want you to understand if you're a follower of Jesus Christ because you're born again of the Spirit of God there is a yearning in you for the fullness of the presence of Jesus. For disciples of Jesus in this world to experience God in our spirit we've got to constantly draw near to God in prayer. In other words we have to work i have to intentionally if i want to experience the the spirit of god in my presence hear the voice of god we must constantly draw near to god in prayer and we are we are commanded by the lord and his apostles to do that very thing we're told to pray without ceasing and i want you to know to me that's laborious that's work I have to be intentional about it. I can easily neglect it. We must resist the desires of our flesh and discipline ourselves to worship, which I'm so grateful that our worship team let us in this morning, but we need to be doing that in our own personal lives. But I want you to understand something. That involves being intentional. It involves laboring. We must resist the desires of our flesh that just want to stay in bed and sleep, do our own thing, just whatever we want to do with our flesh to satisfy our desires, rather than to discipline ourselves to worship. We must diligently search the Word of God with the guidance of the Spirit of God to discover the will of God. And that's not easy. I mean, we have to study the Word of God to discover the will of God for our lives. We must intentionally stay connected to God's people. Oh, it's so easy to neglect church, isn't it? Just to go and spend all your time at the lake or spend all your time on vacations or spend all your time doing what you like to do whenever the church of God is gathering, whether it's in congregational worship or whether it's in small groups. It's just easy, isn't it, because of the flesh and its desires to neglect. So we have to intentionally stay connected to God's people. We must constantly, constantly deny ourselves to stay focused on the purpose of God our purpose is to make disciples that make disciples that's why we're still here upon the earth is to spread the gospel of jesus christ by making disciples but you know what we have to constantly deny ourselves to stay focused on that purpose you know for me personally i've always had my greatest success in experiencing god in my spirit in the mornings right after i wake up some people aren't wired that way and they experience god better at night but for me It's right when I wake up, it's when I'm the freshest mentally, emotionally, and physically. You know what happens to me as the day progresses? I get tired because I live in this contaminated earth suit that is decaying. I get tired. My mind is not as clear at 6 o'clock at night as it is at 6 o'clock in the morning. And you know what happens during the course of a day? I get weighed down by the circumstances of this world. As a result of that, I find myself yearning and yearning and yearning to be closer to God. You know, Paul talked about this problem in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. He said, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. So right now, he even knowledge, Paul is, uh, you know, had incredible revelations of God. But for he himself, he said right now, I see in a mirror dimly but one day it's going to be face to face it's not going to be a laborious thing to walk with god it's not going to require intentionality to know god and to be known of god it's not going to require effort on our part you know in this new world you know what the bible is saying the tabernacle of god is now with men it means that the presence of god in the new world will be like the light of the sun or the moon. You know what that means? In fact, it says in, in Revelation 21 and that his glory will be the light in this new world. You know, when I get up in the morning and the, and the sun is risen, I don't have to search for the light of the sun. I don't have to seek the light of the sun. It just is, it's just there. Uh, I don't have to go and find the light of the sun, it finds me every morning. In the new world, our awareness of God's presence will never change. We won't have to seek the presence of God. God's presence will just be there. It just is. God will continuously be more real to you than any person that you've ever known. The fellowship that we have with Jesus through the Holy Spirit right now, I wouldn't trade it for any other relationship in the world, but I want you to know what I have right now is just a glimmer of, It's just a small portion of what we're going to have in the new world. It's going to be in its fullness. You know, there are occasions in my life where I wake up and it's like the presence of God is around me. I can say I've had a number of those experiences during the course of my life. It happens on occasion. And I can't make it happen. It just happens on occasion. But in this new world, the experience of God will not be an exception It will be eternal. And won't that be incredible for those of us who are followers of Jesus? Through this never-ending experience with the presence of God, God's tabernacle being among mankind, we will constantly and continuously know that we're loved. You know, I struggle with knowing that I'm loved. I struggle with insecurity, as I believe all of us struggle with insecurity at times. And I have to work at reminding myself that God loves me. I have to declare it with my mouth. I have to sing praises unto God that declare that truth to find my security in Jesus. Do you understand that I won't have to do that? You won't have to do that in the new world? I mean, the love of God will be so overwhelming. We'll just know that we are secure for all of eternity. Through this never-ending experience with the presence of God, we will constantly and continuously know that we are important and significant. I struggle with feelings of insignificance, don't you? I mean, I wake up some days, or I preach a sermon like I'm preaching you this morning, and I can find myself being very discouraged because I'm not getting the results that I desire to get. And I can feel very insignificant, and I have to work at reminding myself that I am significant because of who God is and who I am to God. Won't it be great in the new world where you never have that struggle? Where you wake up every morning just knowing if you sleep, you wake up every morning knowing you're loved, You wake up every morning just feeling significant? Having those feelings totally removed, never being depressed again, never being discouraged again. Won't that be amazing? And that's what life is going to be like in the manifest presence of the living God. We'll never again question the meaning of our life. Sometimes I do that. What's the purpose of my life? And I have to remind myself what the Word of God says. We'll never again question the meaning of our life. Our experience... With the presence of God will lead us to accomplish more in one day in eternity than we could accomplish in one lifetime on the earth. Wow, because that's what the presence of God does. It gives us a purpose and a meaning, and it gives us a way to fulfill that purpose and meaning for all of eternity. So there's no more separation from God, there's no more sickness. What can I say right now in our world where we're experiencing this pandemic and so many people are ill or they're afraid of getting ill? What about a place where there's no sickness? Because you see, sickness is one of the curses of sin. And Jesus bore the curse of sin. And in the new world, there won't be any curse of sin, so there won't be any more sickness. There's no more sickness. And as a result, no more sickness. There's no more accidents that can debilitate us. There's not going to be any more pain no more pain, physically or emotionally. Speaking of emotionally, the Bible tells us in Revelation 21-4, there's no more sorrow. Sorrow, once again, is one of the curses of sin. Adam and Eve did not know sorrow in the Garden of Eden before the fall. And so it's one of the curses of sin. And there'll be no more sorrow. You know what sin causes? And it burdens me every day, like I said, throughout the course of each new day. By the end of the day, I'm going to be weighed down by the sorrows of this world because sin causes brokenness and it causes loss and every day I grieve over some loss that I, either I experience or some brokenness that I experience personally or over someone that I care about and love well just think there's no more sin in this new world so there's no more brokenness and there's no more loss as a result there's no more death physically there's no more death relationally There's no more financial bankruptcy. There's no more loss financially. There's no more death to our environment. No more sorrow means, you know what? So many people struggle with fear and anxiety. You know what they fear more than anything else is they fear sorrow. You know what they're anxious about? They're anxious over losing things. Just think, in the new world, there's not going to be any more fear or anxiety because there's no more sorrow. If you read the prophecy about the final judgment in mankind that I've just read to you, and if you believe what's going to happen to those who don't follow Jesus, your natural reaction is, I don't want that to happen to me if you're talking about the final judgment. That's not a place I want to go. But if you read the prophecy about the new world that I just shared with you this morning, and if you believe that what it says is going to happen to those who follow Jesus, your natural reaction is, Man, I don't want to miss that. If you really believe that it's true, you don't want to miss that. Once again, why should you believe that what I just told you is the truth? Well, I'll tell you why you should believe. You should believe because of the prophecies that are in the Bible that have been fulfilled. And if they've been fulfilled, why won't these prophecies be fulfilled that are all about the future? You should believe it because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, and after he was in the dead, in the grave for three days, he rose from the dead. Why should you believe that he rose from the dead? Because his followers witnessed his resurrection, and they held to their witness in spite of incredible persecution that they would experience over the next 40 years. In fact, many of them lost their lives as a result of the persecution that they experienced, and they would not deny that they saw Jesus risen from the dead so you should believe this morning i appeal to you believe that what i'm saying to you is true what do you need to do about it what do you need to do to make sure that you miss hell and you don't miss this new world that jesus promises in what we've read this morning well here's what you need to do jesus was very clear he said that you need to repent of your sin. You know, from the time that you were born, you've been following the wrong person. You've been following your own lust, your own desires. You've been satisfying your lust and desires in ways that God forbids. From the time that you were a young child, you decided that you were going to do things that you were told were wrong. You've lied. You've dishonored your parents. You've rebelled against their authority and the authority of others in order to do what God forbids in His Word. You are a sinner by nature. And you're also a sinner by nature choice if you want to be in this new world with jesus jesus said you got to repent of your sin in other words you've got to stop following your sinful desires you got to stop following your sinful nature you got to repent for doing that and jesus said very clearly if you're following that way of life you're not following him you're following satan the author of evil you're one of his followers and so you've got to repent for following satan if you want to receive this promise of eternal life in this new world. And then you must believe upon the Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. You must believe that he is God. You must believe that he was God in human flesh. You must believe that he atoned for your sins when he died upon the cross. That he paid for your sins so that you don't have to pay that debt. And Jesus said if you'll repent of your sin and believe upon him. You shall be saved. You shall receive this hope of this new earth and this new heaven that you don't want to miss so my question to you this morning is is will you repent will you repent you know right now if you'll listen to your conscience your conscience has revealed to you the glory of God you know that what you've done is wrong if you're doing wrong things right now and practicing evil your conscience is condemning you for that you need to listen to your conscience and you need to listen to the Holy Spirit will you repent of your sin, Will you say to God, you know what? I'm going to turn from that way of life. I'm not going to follow sin. I'm not going to follow Satan anymore. I'm going to follow you. I repent of my sin. And will you right now believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin? If you would, if you would repent of your sin and believe upon the Lord Jesus, Jesus is listening to you right now, right where you're at. And you just need to say to him, "All right, right now, I know you've been calling me, I repent of my sin, and I'm going to follow you with my life. Would you do that right now? Would you repent of your sin and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin? I want you to do that right now. I want you to be in that new world with me. I want you to know Jesus for the rest of your life. Here in this old world, and then spend eternity with him in the new world. And then, church, if we say that we believed in Jesus, what kind of person should we be? I mean, if what I'm just shared with you, you really believe, don't you think it should change the way that we live our lives? In other words, <laughs> why would we cherish the things of this world the way that we do, church? If what I just told you is true and everything's gonna be consumed with fire, Why are we holding on so much to the things of this world we should be the most generous people in the world because we don't cherish the things of this world and then what about boldly sharing your faith church with those that need to know jesus you know a few weeks ago i asked our church family to share how jesus changed their life on social media and only a few people in our church family and they were wonderful stories But percentage-wise, it was only a few of us actually shared. Now, why is that? If you really believe that what I'm saying is true this morning, why aren't you doing everything possible to share how Jesus changed your life with other people? If you really believe that what I said this morning is true. And then what about loving His church? You know, Jesus was very clear that the fruit of the life of those who are really His followers is going to be really clear, made clear by one way. We love one another. Now we don't attend church just once a week and say oh that's it for us no we love the church of jesus if jesus spirit is living in us because he loves his church we should all become disciples that make disciples within the church and we should all follow jesus so church let me ask you will you follow jesus will you follow him that's all i'm asking you to do is follow jesus based upon the words of jesus let me pray with you this morning and then Our executive pastor and small group pastor is going to come and lead us in some directed prayers. But let me pray right now very quickly before he comes. Father, I pray right now that your spirit would work mightily in the hearts of those that don't know you. And today they would repent of their sins and believe in you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins. And I pray your spirit right now would work in the hearts of all those who profess to know you. And Lord, that we would become the people that you want us to be based upon these promises in your word. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and that you will be faithful to us in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. Stay with us right now as Brandon Werner
1: comes and just leads us in some directed prayers. Well, let's take our cue from this message this morning as we begin this time of prayer, and we invite you right where you are in your living room just to worship with us through prayer. First, for those of you who are listening, that your conscience was leading you. I need to repent. I need to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for my sins, that he rose from the grave, that he ascended into heaven and that he is Lord. I believe that this new heaven and this new earth is coming and I wanna be part of it. If that's you this morning, I invite you to pray right where you are to trust in Jesus as your Savior to declare that he is God and he is the Savior of the world and he is your personal Savior would you pray right now pray and tell Jesus you believe he is God thank him for dying on the cross for your sins declare you believe that God has raised him from the dead. Confess that he is your Lord. you just prayed that prayer, we are so excited that you have joined God's family. We want to connect with you personally. The best way for us to do that is you could comment right here on this live stream. Let us know that you're putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. Or you can go to westernhillschurch.com and click the right now button. And towards the top of that webpage, there's a digital connect card and fill that out. Check the box that says, I'm trusting Jesus today. And Someone from our church will reach out to you this week and visit more with you about your next steps in following Jesus. So we hope you'll do that. Comment right now or go to westernhillschurch.com. Well, as we continue to think about this new heaven and new earth, we know that the earth is groaning right now longing to be delivered, longing for this day when Jesus will set everything right. Certainly, God has been shaking the foundations of our economy and our churches through this season. Let's pray that God would transform our church and our families to be more like Jesus. Pray right now specifically for our church at Western Hills and for your own household. reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul. He said that he loved the people that the Lord led him to so much that not only was he willing to share the gospel with him, but also his very life. I think about the words Pastor Jerry just shared with us, that hashtag Jesus changed my life, to declare What Jesus has done for us is to share the gospel with others, but not only that, but to love people so much that we would share our lives with them. Our small groups have a mission, and that mission is to lead others to Jesus and help them grow as his disciples. There are people God wants to add to our groups this week, but it will only happen as we love them enough to not only share the gospel with them, but our very lives. Let's pray right now that God would add new people to our small groups this week and that he would use us to add them. prayed for your group right now and for God to add people to our small groups it's a very personal thing for us as disciples of Jesus to be intentional with the people that God places around us and on our hearts I want to ask you right now to think of one person just one that God wants to bring to your mind right now that needs to be connected with Jesus and connected with his church. This could be a person who doesn't know the Lord or it could be someone who just needs that connection to grow. Let's pray for the person God God brought to our minds by name right now. But let's also in this prayer commit to the Lord that we will reach out to them this week. Would you do that? Would you make that commitment to the Lord in your prayers? you pray for this person right now and commit to him that you'll reach out to them? God, everything that is in this world exists because of you. It is by you and for you, through you, and you hold all things together. God, we are reminded through the word we heard this morning that if you removed your hand from us, everything that we know and see would cease to exist. You are the eternal reigning God, and you have all power and all authority You are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we worship you this morning as your church. We once again pledge our allegiance to you, God, and to no other. We declare that we turn from this world, from ourselves, and from the enemy, and we put our faith and our trust in you and you alone. You are our God, and we will live to serve you to love you to carry out your mission on this earth until you come God let it be so in our lives accomplish your will may your kingdom come and your will be done at Western Hills Church in our small groups and in our homes as it is in heaven and we pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord And all God's people agreed and said, amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this time of prayer. Before you go, let me just share a few words of announcement with you to keep you connected this week. There's some important things going on right now as our climate continues to change with new directives from our governing officials. And Governor Stitt released a phase one, phase two, and phase three that... They are considering as they move forward with the possibility of what it looks like to reopen Oklahoma. And I want to encourage you that you need to stay connected to what's going on with our church as decisions are made on the leadership level. And the best way for you to do that is to right now go and visit our website, westernhillschurch.com, and click on the Right Now announcement page. And on that page, we will post updates as they come. There's also a place for you to subscribe to email that you can... um, Subscribe to get text messages from our church. You could right now on Facebook, hit the like button and follow us here on Facebook. And as things develop, we will be communicating with you in those ways, through email, through text, and through Facebook. So please uh, make sure that you're connected to us that way. Join our right now announcement page right now. Go visit that page to see what's happening in our church. You know, there's no better way to stay connected with what's going on in our church than to join a small group. In a small group, you're going to have a small group leader who is a disciple-making leader in our church, and they're going to guide you through the life of connecting with our church and sharing life with one another, being connected on a regular basis, and being intentional about the things Pastor Jerry shared with us this morning, to worship, to seek God, to spend time together, to make disciples and grow as disciples. So we encourage you to connect to a small group. Right now, all of our small groups are meeting online, and you can connect to one right now right this week. We would love to get you connected. The way you do that is on the right now announcement page, that digital connect card that I mentioned earlier, fill out that card and click. I would like to join a small group. If you'll do that, we'll get a copy of that request and we'll contact you personally and help you get connected to a small group this week. Well, on that right now announcement page, you can also find information about events that are happening in our church. And yes, there are still events going on even during this season. Uh, For example, our ladies coffee chat is scheduled for this Saturday at 10 a.m. We had to move that one week, but we are on for this Saturday. And so ladies, please mark your calendar and plan to join us this Saturday at 10 a.m. for a ladies coffee chat that will be on Facebook live. So get your coffee together, bring your Bible Open up Facebook Live to this page and join us for the coffee chat this Saturday. And then also, if you're a student, there is a Foundations for lifelong followers of Jesus. and that foundations course will be this um, Monday and it, and it happens every Monday at four thirty. If you're interested in joining that, just go to our right now announcement page and you can find the contact information for the Foundations of Learning course, and you can contact our student pastor, Britt Clay, for more information. And then also we have some upcoming live streams and all the details are on the Right Now announcement page. But if you you have kids, make sure that you gather them all up. As soon as this live stream ends, we'll be relaunching another live stream with a countdown timer to the Bible Zone Live. And that will be happening this morning on Facebook Live for all of our kids. And then of course you can join us for midweek this Wednesday night. Um, At 5.30, the kids will be getting online. At six o'clock, the students will have their time uh, online. Um, And then at 6.30, all the adults will gather online for midweek so make sure you mark your calendars and join us this Wednesday night online and then for our members here at Western Hills we know that you're always interested and desiring to be part of what God is doing here through our church and through our giving together and I want to encourage you to bring in the tithes and the offerings to God's church as we continue to invest in the advancement of the kingdom of God right now as an update for our church um We are currently $8,700 behind our year-to-date requirement for our budget. You can find that number on our Western Hills website on the Right Now announcement page, and you can also find all the information you need to give online. It's safe and secure, and you can do it right now. In fact, I encourage you, if you are planning to give, if you've been planning to give and you haven't followed the Lord in that yet, take advantage of this opportunity right now. Go ahead and open that page and go to the Right Now page and begin to give online as we share Right Now. And then Justin Werner is looking for some online greeters that could help us with our live streams, people who would show up and just welcome people as they join us online and connect with people, follow up with new people who join us there. If you're interested in volunteering and just loving other people um, and being a part of that online volunteer base, please contact Justin Werner and you can find his information for contact on the Right Now announcement page. As well well we're so grateful that you joined us this morning you know as followers of Jesus we are all disciples of Jesus that are on various levels of maturity and what God wants to do is he wants to use our relationship as we spend time with Jesus and spend time with his people God wants to use those relationships to make us more like Jesus we all need a relationship with God and with other people to grow into the image of Christ Come and learn what spiritual maturity looks like. Join a small group and get connected to discipleship this week. We are a church without walls, and God is using his people all over this city through homes and online meetings to advance the gospel and to lead people to become more like Jesus. God has a mission for your life, and that mission is to grow closer to him, to become more like him, and to make disciples who will make disciples Church, let's live out this mission this week as we seek to follow God together. Thanks for joining us this morning. Stay tuned for Bible's Own Life. It was great to be with you.